Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Good morning. So let's let's try today. This will be the third week in a row where water is right here. And I get so pumped up that somehow the water ends up on the stage and spilling over. So let's see if I go three for three this week, huh? Maybe it'll happen. You guys enjoying your spring break? <laughs> exactly. It's a question that nobody asks you as an adult anymore. Right? How's your spring break going? What do you mean? I'm watching kids. Oh, I'm dealing with pressures. I'm still going to work. It's great to be with you this morning. Hey, before we get started and get into the message today, I want to I mention to our men. Men, are you in the house, men? Okay, men. Uh, we don't do a lot of events or gatherings together. So when we do, they're very important. They're very special. And there's something I've been holding on to in my heart for over a year. Everybody say a year. Something I've been working on and developing. I've been working with a smaller group of men. We've been talking about these things, and I want to bring this to the table and really bring this to all the men of Grace Avenue Church. So on April 2nd, I believe, April 2nd, uh, we are having a gathering together for men. Uh, Make no mistake about this is not a random taco breakfast where we're just hanging out. There's some stuff I have in my heart that I really believe for our church to go where it needs to go, the men need to hear this. For your marriage to go the way it needs to go, you need to hear this. For your parenting to go the way it needs to go, you need to hear this. Have I sold you enough? (laughs) It's really important. And my heart uh, would be blessed if you would not only sign up, but you would bring somebody. And let's grow together, men. Let's grow in God together. Amen? Amen. April 2nd, Saturday morning. And uh, there's going to be food. Minimal cost, what, 10 bucks? 10 bucks. And hey, food, gathering, we're going to pray together, and there's going to be some good stuff. April 2nd, all right? All right, let's jump into the Word this morning. Most of the time uh, when I'm preaching a message, a lot of times it is impacting you in this way. How does it move your life forward? Today I'm going to flip the tables on you. Jesus flipped tables, so I guess it's okay if I flip tables. Uh, And I'm going to ask you... Uh, to think from the framework of how do we as a congregation move this church forward together? Uh, How do we as a congregation make sure that we are doing what God has called us to do so that this is good ground for people to come and plant themselves in? And I'm going to talk about some things from the Old Testament mostly and a little bit from the New Testament. And I really hope that this shapes and, and builds the framework for not only how you think about your life, but how you think about this church and its future. Amen? Amen. All right. Exodus chapter 18, verse 13 through 27 is where we're going to land most of today. We've been in a series called Faith Forward. We've been talking about how to have a faith-forward mindset in everything that we do, uh, to make sure that we're seen through the lens of faith, to make sure that we're caught up in moving our life forward. And if you go back through the, the last several weeks, I've been talking about this for quite some time. But I want to jump today into the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. And this is Moses. 
and it's going to focus on Moses and his father-in-law, who's named Jethro. Now, of all the years that I've uh, ever spoken about this, I, don't, I think I've only preached this once. I think it was more in a leadership circle. So this is going to be very leadership-minded for you. Uh, so if, if you're in a position of leadership, which is, is pretty much all of us, to some degree we're influencing someone somehow, some way. Uh, this is going to help you. This is going to bless you. But, but in many ways, it's going to help shape an understanding of how God builds his church through us as his people. So let's jump into the word. And remember these first few words, because I'm going to come back to this if I have time. <laughs> the next day, just remember that phrase, the next day. Okay, now let's jump into the word here. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. Now, to get a full picture of this, uh, just think about uh, the city of San Antonio times three. This is his job. Okay, so Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people as they stood around him from morning till evening. How many of you say that's a long shift? And when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, because people come to see me to seek God's will. And whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and his instructions. And Moses' father-in-law replied, hey, what you're doing here is not good. You and these people who, who come to you, you'll only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Now listen to me now, and I'm going to give you some advice, and may God be with you. That's when you know it's going to be juicy, when somebody's going to give you some advice, and they say, and may God be with you after they tell you. <laughs> he says, you must be the people's representative before God and bring, listen to this, bring the people's disputes to him. Okay? Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way that they're to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, over hundreds, over fifties, and over tens. And have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you but the simple cases, they can decide for themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. And if you do this and God so commands, you will be able, as the leader, to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all of Israel and made them the leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided for themselves. And then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. Today, I, I want to help you see the power of great teams and how a great church can function together when all of God's people step in, when people step into their God-designed, God-ordained, God-orchestrated place, not just in life, but in church. When they find themselves not just attending church, but belonging to community, which makes all the difference. And the first thing that you can see here is this models so much of what we see in the New Testament. 
where the disciples and the Apostle Paul set into place people who can help people. Now, what was the bottom line here? Moses is, is stuck dealing with all kinds of uh, disputes, dilemmas, and dysfunctions. That's his day. And it says from morning until evening. That is a long shift. Morning till evening. Morning till evening. He's dealing with people's dilemmas, stuff between themselves, stuff between their families, stuff they have questions about, their dysfunctions. How many of you know sometimes people are dysfunctional? How many of you know that you're dysfunctional to some degree? Okay. We also know that there were uh, disputes between people. People were fighting amongst themselves. People were fighting about who knows. People love to fight. This was his role. This is what he was doing. And morning till evening, he's dealing with this, dealing with conflicts, disputes between people. And he's explaining to people the laws of God that were given. He's answering questions. He's working to help people understand who God is, what God has called them to. What am I trying to say this morning is that, is that trouble never clocks out. Trouble never clocks out. And so often, especially if we lead people, even if we have, we're over a dog <laughs> or a child, at the, at the smallest level of taking care of something smaller, trouble comes. And I think sometimes part of our problem with dealing with trouble is that we're just waiting for trouble to just disappear. When are all these problems going to go away? Never. Because it involves people. And it involves responsibilities. And it involves accountability. And it, evol it involves time and schedules and, and money and conversations and miscommunication and clear communication. So trouble never clocks out. Trouble's always knocking on our door. And part, I think, of, of handling trouble better is us learning to get that mindset straight. That if we could just get in our heads, before it even gets in our hearts, that trouble is a part of life. Jesus said trouble will come. Not it might come. He said it will come. And so it's so important for us to make sure that we just have the mental wavelength straight. Trouble's a part of life. Difficulties. The difficulties of others. Parents, children, your boss, your employees, your team, whatever you're dealing with, trouble never clocks out. So in, in verse 13 there, it says he took his seat to judge for them and stood around morning till evening dealing with that. If you want to help people and you want to help people in a more responsible way, it'll always involve more trouble, more difficulties, more responsibilities, more things to answer for, more people to answer for more delays to answer for. I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs, how many business owners, how many managers I speak to week after week who just can't find people who want to work right now. Amen. That is literally, like I hear it multiple times a week. I can't get people to work. I've never in my life heard this. What is that doing to a generation? That is finding, and look, I get, you know, childcare and pandemic and all this stuff. Okay, when we put that portion aside, let's talk about the lazy people. Okay, let's not, let's not talk about people who are sick or fearful of getting sick or dealing with childcare issues or can't find or, or can't find transportation. Let's put all that aside. Let's talk about the laziness of, this isn't in my message, by the way. This is a free appetizer provided to you uh, with your meal. Okay, let me just stick that in another message at some time, talking about work. Okay, verse 15, he says, the people come to me 
to seek God's will. He's speaking as a godly leader. People have challenges, and they need answers. They need help. They need to know what God says. They need to know what God, what God wants from them. They need to know how to repair this situation between them as, as neighbors or as family or as marriage or relatives. They need me to speak into that, right? So what's he saying? People need to know God's will and people need to know God's word. And as a parent, it's part of our responsibility to help our children know God's will and God's word. Right? If we run a team and we live as a, as a boss, uh, as a manager, as a leader who, who lives from a place of integrity and people can see that our, our employees know we're not shady or we're not sly, we're not doing stuff on the, on the side, that's not right, right? They see that, then they can receive God's will and God's word from us. Are you with me? See, the people were wise enough to understand that they needed somebody and someone godly to speak into their disputes, their dilemmas, and their dysfunction. Now, how many of you in the last 12 months have had some disputes, some dilemmas, and you looked in this mirror and the mirror this morning and you saw your dysfunction, right? <laughs> Amen, right? One hand wind up, one, the rest of you are, are fibbing in the house of God this morning. But for the one honest man over here, uh, we all have some disputes, some dilemmas, and godly people can and desire to speak into that. Are you willing to be open about that? I heard a stat recently that by the time people enter marriage counseling, it's six years too late. This is the average. Six years. Six years. That's a big deal, okay? As their spiritual leader... Moses' job was, was not to make up laws for the people. It was to declare what God has already said. It was to help people see what God has already stated. It's to help people understand his word, what God says, what God expects, and what God requires. So as people of God, it's part of our responsibility to hear the wisdom of godly leaders. Okay? By God's grace, my life is filled with a lot of godly leaders and pastors People 15, 20, 25 years older than me, and I call them regularly. I text them regularly. I'm on the phone every week with one of them. Constantly making sure that I'm employing wisdom for everything that I'm doing, deciding, and trying to move forward. I'm not out here trying to do it on my own just with some solo prayers to God. I'm leaning on the available wisdom that comes in God's people. Right? Sometimes we make it so hard. We make it so hard on ourselves. Like, what badge are we really going to get for trying to do it all alone? Like, what badge in heaven are we going to get because we were stubborn enough not to talk to anybody, but God had surrounded us with people who have wisdom, right? And husbands, let me just say this. If you're not going to talk, your wife's going to find a way to talk to somebody. I'm just saying that. I'll just leave that right there on the burner. Let those beans cook for a little bit while we finish the rest of this meal. Verse 18. He says, you and these people who come to you, you're only going to wear yourselves out. The work's too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Have you ever felt like that just about your own life? The work's too heavy. These kids are too heavy. This marriage is too heavy. Oh, don't say that one. This, this, this life is too heavy. Like you say these things, you feel these things. So what is he saying? Exhaustion and burnout is not God's will for you. Jethro, his father-in-law, was speaking to him man to man. Say, look, man, exhaustion and burnout is not God's pathway for you. You're going to burn yourself out trying to do all of this alone. It's not God's will. It's not God's purpose. All right? Now, who is going to pay the price 
for Moses burning out if he didn't listen to Jethro. I'll tell you exactly who, his wife and kids. His wife and kids, because if he's there morning till evening, there's no time for his wife and kids. If he's constantly consumed by people and he's the only one dealing with things, his heart is going to take a, a tax on that. His soul, his mind, his strength, his wife, his kids, his just level of joy to live was going to take a beating. And this is where Moses was at. And Jethro sees that. Now, let me jump back to the very first part of the message. It says, the next day, Moses sat as judge for the people. If you read the few verses before, Jethro comes into town and he actually brings Moses' wife and kids with him. It's Jethro's daughter who had married uh, uh, Moses and Zipporah. So she's there with the kids. Why are they with Jethro? They should be with Moses. What were they doing? Why were they with their father-in-law? I don't know, but it says that Moses went into the tent with Jethro and they began to talk and they talked for hours on end. And and I believe that what happened is Jethro saw the condition of his son-in-law, recognized what's going on. And it says, then they went to sleep. And then the next day, this is where we pick up. Here's what I think happened. I think Jethro saw his son-in-law and as a father to his son-in-law, saw the condition of his son-in-law and went home that night and was thinking about, I got to talk to Moses about this. He's burning the candle at both ends. This is going to kill him. There's better wisdom to employ to make this happen so that why? So that the people are cared for. So that not just that Moses doesn't burn out, but so the people are cared for. How many of you know that people need care? And we've got to find ways to help care for people as a church. But how many of you know one pastor can't do it? Two pastors can't do it. Five pastors can't do it. Like how many people can actually be cared for? It takes people. So what I'm saying is Moses was on his way to burning out. And this is the crossroad for him. This is the place where he could have gone, well, that's good advice, but nobody, nobody gives as good a counsel as I do. Nobody's as godly as I am. Nobody knows the law of God like I do. Nobody's able to handle people's drama the way I am. I've seen these situations 50 times. My other leaders, they haven't. I've seen this 50 times just in the last month. They don't know how to handle this. I'm the one who can deal with this. He could have backed himself into the corner to crown himself king and further his burnout and exhaustion. What I'm saying is just because you're handling it all doesn't mean someone else isn't feeling the stretch of you burning yourself out. I'm, I'm handling it all. Yeah, but who's paying the price? Your wife, your kids, your friends, your soul, your heart, your mind, your strength. Look, Jesus is not waiting for you to crown yourself king over your life for everything that you do for him. He is the king. And he just wants to lead you and guide you and build you. Okay, Um, it's not a great model for someone to do everything by themselves. That's what Moses was doing. And sometimes that's what people think. They think the best way for it to be done is for me to do it. Y'all are really quiet. <laughs> the best way to do it is for me to do it. If I, get, if, if I do it, it'll get done. And Look, you feel that pressure with everything in your life. There are things, certain things in your life that only you can do, yes. But maybe you could scale it back to think about what are the things that only you can do and then what are the things that you can offload. 
What are the things that need to shift, right? Now, here's why. It says the people were waiting there morning till evening. And he says, if you switch this up, that you and these people are going to wear yourselves out. Now, how are the people going to be worn out? I'll tell you exactly how they were going to be worn out. They were going to be standing there at 8 o'clock in the morning for their meeting with Moses. And the line is about two miles long. And when it gets to about 7 o'clock and Moses says, my back hurts from sitting in this chair all day. And Moses says, tell the rest of the people to come back tomorrow. How would you feel if you'd been standing there for 12 hours? Hungry, taking your day off from work, waiting. This is what he's saying. The people were going to be worn out from waiting. Now, what do you think those people said when they got home? Can you believe Moses had me waiting 12 hours in line? They didn't even give us any food. They didn't give us anything to drink. So the people would be frustrated. The people would be perturbed. The people would be annoyed. And then they'd come back, and now they're really annoyed because the line is long in front of them again. And they're like, well, wait, we were here yesterday. So there's more disputes and more disputes. And this is what happens when God blesses his kingdom. More people come into his church, but more people need to be cared for. And it means more disputes and more dilemmas. Yes, it means more souls saved, but it also means more healing needs to happen. More growth needs to happen. More hearts need to be healed. More lives need to be changed. And one person can't do that, right? Wisdom is available if you'll listen and trust God with a change. That's what he was saying in verse 19. He says, look, listen to me now, and I'll give you some advice, and may God be with you. Listen to me now, and I'll give you some advice. Like, pay attention to what I'm going to tell you here. This is important. So Jethro offered wisdom. He was basically saying, look, there's a better way to do this. The way you're doing this is one way, but there's a better way to do this. And this is what wisdom offers if you'll receive it. It offers you a better way to do something. It offers you a better way in your marriage. It offers you a better way in your finances. It offers you a better way in the way you talk to one another. It, it offers you a better way in the way you think about things. Because when you think about something and you go down that track and it was the wrong track, by the time you get to the end of that track and you finally circle back, you've wasted a lot of time thinking wrong about it. So many challenges that people have come from the way they're thinking about situations. And then they don't let anybody else in on the thinking of the situation. And so they crown their thinking king for that situation and cancel themselves out. There's no hope for me. My life is a mess. The marriage is a mess. I'll never get out of debt. I'll never get out of this career. I can't make any changes. I can't do this. I'll never be able to do this with three kids and a single mom. I'll never. And we crown those thoughts and feelings king. And then we don't let anybody else in on it. And then we wonder why we're so miserable. Jethro was a gift to Moses. Jethro represents wisdom. There's wisdom that's available for you for your disputes, your dilemmas, and your dysfunction. It's available. Do you want it? Are you open to it? Would you be willing to receive it? Do you allow anyone to speak wisdom into your life? Not opinions, but wisdom. Wisdom is different from opinions, right? Wisdom's very different from opinions, right? If I say, gosh, I think I'm having a heart attack, and a guy gives me an opinion, ah, you'll be all right. Just wait till three days from now. Just have some Tums. You'll be okay. That's an opinion, 
right? Wisdom is like, hang on, what are you feeling? Hang, w- w- tell, me, tell me your symptoms. Tell me what's going on. Wisdom has insight into something that we may be feeling or thinking or can't see. See, someone can say there's a better way to get along with your life, your spouse, your kids, the way you're thinking about something. And it's in that moment that you hit the crossroads and everything decides in that moment whether or not it's going to move forward or stay exactly where it is. And I think that's something that we have to take a look at in this season as people, as a church, as individuals. He says, you must be the people's representative before God and then bring their disputes to him. So he's saying, look, you as the leader, you have to take things to God. That's your responsibility. Your responsibility is to hear God. It's not to just hear and judge everybody's issues and challenges. It's not just to take on everyone else's life. It's to connect with God and to hear God for the people. So he was telling Moses, basically rebuking him. You're listening to people, but you're not listening to God. You need to spend some time with God. You need to hear God for the people. You need to take the disputes. And here's the thing. All the little things that you're dealing with over here, you don't need to deal with those. Now, here's the problem. Everybody thinks that their little thing is a big thing. And so just saying that alone was going to offend people. What do you mean? What do you mean Moses isn't going to hear me? I've known Moses since he was 16. This isn't right. Like, you tell him Daniel's here. Daniel needs to talk about something. Janelle's giving me problems, and I need Moses to sort her out like he did five years ago. I'm done with this. Tell him, what do you mean he wants me to go to Pastor Henry? That's not cool. I want to talk to Moses. I don't want to talk to Henry. This is what happens because, and Moses is like, oh, they've been fighting for years. I can't, so I've spoken what I've spoken. Pastor Henry, you give it a shot. You try to help them. (laughs) Because some things that we think are really big things are just small things. And we got to find out in those moments when someone speaks wisdom, whether or not we're offended by that whole idea. Are you with me this morning? Okay. Verse 20, he says, hey, teach them his decrees and his instructions. Show them the way they're to live and how to behave. You know, if we're going to love God and, and, and live for God, there's a way we're supposed to live and there's a way we're supposed to behave. There's a way, if we're going to say we're going to honor God and we're going to serve God and we're going to love God, then that means there's a way we're supposed to live and a way we're supposed to behave. One more time. If we're going to honor God and we're going to love God, there's a way we're supposed to live and a way we're supposed to behave. Now, once you start getting into that aspect of God, beyond the emotion of how God makes you feel, and you actually start to step in and live what Jesus called the abundant life, because there's just life, but then there's the abundant, filled life with Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, not a life of perfection, but a life where you're embracing the fullness of everything God is trying to do in your life, that means it's going to affect the way you live and the way you behave, right? So whatever thoughts you have about money, there's a way to live and a way to behave if you want to honor God. Whatever you think about sex, there's a way to live and there's a way to behave. Whatever you think about um, how you get married and how you stay married and how you deal with that as a husband and wife, whatever you think about that is what you think. But then there's a way that God says you're to live and a way that God says you're to behave. And this is what's going to push you either to the fringes to say, oh, I, don't, I don't want to deal with that. I'm not sure I want that wisdom spoken into my life. I think I'll just chill out here in services and come every couple of weeks and stay hidden. Or you step into a life where people can speak and build wisdom into your life. 
what God's heart is. Not their opinions, but what God's heart is, what God says. See, uh, this may come as a shock to you, but we don't get to decide how we live and behave. (laughs) Jesus has already sorted that out for us. And he set a standard for us, right? He set a standard. and, and And it's up for us to embrace that and allow the Holy Spirit to work on those areas of our life where we know we need help. We know we need change. It's not a time for us to dive into shame and guilt and just hide because of everything we got going on. It's a time to trust and embrace the grace of God and say, Lord, I know. I look in the mirror. I see what's going on. I need to change. Lord, help me. And then allow wisdom, counsel, pastoral people, leadership people, people further along in the faith to speak into your life to help change your life. Okay, Um, verse 21, he says, select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. Listen to what he's choosing here. Men who fear God, they just love the Lord, they fear God. There's a holy fear of, of their life before God. They're not just living life with this title of spiritual leader or pastor. They have a holy fear of God. Which I see missing from a lot of church today, which really, really frightens me, to be honest with you. Some of the scandals and the things I keep seeing and hearing. Not that I could never do anything like that, but that's the very thing that keeps me afraid of a holy God that we serve. Okay, He says, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. In other words, people who don't take bribes. They're not there for the fame. They're not there for the money. They're not there for the title. They're not there to be recognized by people. They're not there in ministry to feel important about themselves. Because they don't feel good about themselves. But when they help people, they feel good about themselves. Look, that's a great place to start, but that's going to run you into the ground. So he says, you don't want men of one particular character. These are the type of people you want leading God's people. And then he says, appoint them over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So what is he saying? Find people with integrity and find people with solid character. Find people who aren't in this to make a name for themselves. Find people who aren't going to split people off into their own little cliques and their own little clubs or split them off from church or split them off from people or split them off from council. Find people who are actually not in this for personal gain, personal fame, personal recognition, and put those people over people and give some of them, based on their capacity, the ability to lead 10, the ability to lead 50, the ability to lead hundreds, and the ability to lead thousands. Right? And then he says... Verse 22, your load will be lighter because they're going to share it with you. What is he saying? Care for the people. Care for people is supposed to be shared. It's supposed to be shared among God's people, not just a a few chosen people. Okay? So what is he saying? That other people must step into their assignment for God. You must step into your assignment for God. Now, about this part of the message, if you're asking, what does this have to do with me? The answer is everything. All of it. Every single word I've said has everything to do with you if this is your church. Okay? Because some pastors are going to be fine with you just coming and sitting on a row, and as long as you're here, they're happy. For others, as long as you tithe, they're happy. For others, maybe even if you just serve in a random place in the church, 
they're happy, very low expectations of you. I believe there is something more on your life. I believe there's an assignment on your life. I believe the Bible is very clear that every individual has a unique role in the kingdom, has unique spiritual gifts that they've been given to build this, this world into the likeness of Christ, to share God's life, to share God's love, to build people. And I believe that when we don't take up that mantle as individuals, the kingdom of God suffers, the city suffers, the local church suffers, and generations suffer. Okay, so what does this have to do with you? Everything. I want to take you to the New Testament now. We're going we're gonna to wrap up here. Give me, give me less than 10 minutes, probably seven. It says I have three, but I'm going to go seven just because I can do that and they can't stop me. So what does this have to do with me? In the New Testament, in the New Testament, the 12 disciples, okay, book of Acts, the church is exploding. People are getting saved. The Holy Spirit is filling people. People are selling things off that they own. They're turning away from the way that they live. They were living sinful, carnal lives. They were dealing with money and sex and problems uh, opposite of how God wanted them to. Their lives are changing. Neighbors are getting along. People are, st- uh, are not stealing anymore. People are not doing things that they were doing before. So the Holy Spirit has come in and, and changed. It's not like they just decided, I'm just going to not do bad things that make God mad or dishonor God. God changed them. And all this is happening. So the church is growing, and there's all these people, and the disciples are all right, are there in the midst of this trying to make this happen. And it says in Acts 6, it says that widows, all of a sudden a dispute arose among the leaders. Okay? So some church leaders were getting into a fight. This is juicy. (laughs) The church leaders are getting into some arguments because one group of church leaders is really upset because there's a group of widows who are being overlooked. And as widows, they don't have income. They don't have the distribution of food. They can't take care of their kids. They don't have any income. They don't have a man in the house at that time to be able to help provide. So they're literally stuck. Women did not have a lot of rights. So, so part of Jewish custom was to make sure that widows are taken care of. This is a strong part of, Jewish, of the Jewish custom. The widows were being overlooked and ignored. So food was going out to people, and the widows were having nothing. They were starving. And a group of spiritual leaders, church leaders, got mad. They said, this isn't right. And they came to the church and said, we've got to do something about this. So then what do the disciples do? They do the same thing that Jethro and Moses do. They say, choose seven people full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom and set them over these areas and these people so that people are cared for. Why? So that we can give our attention to prayer and the word. Listen to this. So... The teachers of the word can give themselves to prayer in the word. In my lifetime, and I've been in church since I was a kid, I have never seen so many pastors burning out, having affairs, okay, and quitting the ministry as in the last two years. I've seen more in the last two years than I've seen probably in the last 15. And I'm going to tell you exactly why it's happening. Because they're doing other things than prayer in the word. And it's burning them out. And they have to wake up on Monday morning to a one-star review on Google where someone says, I'm a widow and this church doesn't care about me. The pastor is garbage and churches are all about money. I'm out of here. One-star review. Later. (laughs) And they're having to wrestle with that likability, that likability factor, right? Because I don't don't want a one-star review and I don't want our church to have a one-star review, right? But that's what they're dealing with. 
the pressure of the people are going to say stuff. The people are going to argue. The people are going to gossip. And instead of giving themselves to pray in the word and allowing other leaders to deal with some of the smaller disputes so that they can deal with the bigger things, they're burning out. They're getting distracted. And it's really bad. And it's really sad. Can I tell you that most of the guys I started with 15, 17 years ago have fallen the same way? Now, how do I look at that? Do I look at that and say, never me? No, I say, oh, my God. I hope that doesn't happen to me. What do I need to do to make sure that I don't burn out? What do I need to make sure that, that I don't flip out? Right? How do I do that? Okay, well, if, think about this. If God's leaders are caught up in doing everything for people, then they end up neglecting God. Prayer and the word. And what I'm saying today is that if you are saved, if you're a citizen of heaven, if you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then there is a role that you are called to play as a Christian. And that role is lifting the load and becoming a servant of others. So answer this question. Really, just think about this. When you come into church week after week, are you here to be served or are you here to serve? And I know, look, when you first come in and you're learning about the Lord and you're getting some healing or some things are, are, are tough, you've gone through some loss or disappointment, look, there is a season there's a season that you sit and you heal and you grow and you get restored and you get renewed and you guilt back, get built back up. And there's a time for that. There's a time for that for all of us. And that happens to us as, as leaders too. You come in and you get sideswiped and slapped and stuff happens in life and I almost lost my wife. We lost a child. We almost lost our other baby. Like, look, that, that set me back for about three years. Like, honestly, I didn't even feel physiologically the same for about three years. This is the best season I've ever felt in my life. I think I'm preaching better than I think I'm preaching better than I've ever preached before. I feel great. I'm I'm working out most of the time. I'm laying off the bad food. Like I'm I'm doing like I can feel mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I've never been better. But it wasn't like that the last few years. I'm just being honest with you guys. You guys didn't know that, but I pushed through it. But I didn't push through it alone. I got help. I got counseling from a real counselor. I, I had my pastor speaking into my life. Every single month, and I was texting him regularly to make sure that I don't blow my life, my marriage, our church. Because if I'm going to give my life to serving others, I've got to take care of myself. First Peter chapter 4 says this, each of you, everybody look at the person next to them and say you. He's talking about you. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Not each of you should sit in church for six years and just hear messages. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. In other words, if God has poured this grace into your life, pour it back out into the world. Pour it into this church. Pour it into the people next to you. Pour it into the lives of the poor downtown when we have an outreach going on. Pour that gift into the worship team. Pour it into kids' lives. Pour it into hospitality. Pour it as a greeter. You know, sometimes just your smile gives people hope for the day. What am I going to do when I show up? Smile? Shake a hand? Just start there. 
Well, I'm an introvert. Okay, well, just give like a half smile and then turn the other way. Right? Just do like a quick wave and then look the other way. I mean, that's a start. Start somewhere with something. Use what God has given in your hand and do what? Serve others. This is not an option for God's people. This is a directive. The world isn't just going to change. We have to do our part. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, organization is what is utilized to care for people. And we're living in a generation that's very negative about a lot of things about God and church and for some, some good reasons because of leaders that have abused things and churches that have abused things and end up off the news and all that garbage. And okay, that's a fair shot, okay? But there's some people who are, 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 are needing care and it won't happen unless we organize it. You know, you know when we, we wake up to like a, not a one-star review because people don't really do that, but when, like when people are upset and they leave or something goes on, this is honestly how that conversation goes. Hey, Chris, did, did you hear about that? Do you know about that? No? Who knew? Janelle, did you know about that? No. John, did you hear? Well, who the heck knew about this? Like, that's how we're dealing with it. <laughs> it's not like we were sitting there going, hmm, who can we really upset today? Who can we leave out? Who can we really annoy and ostracize and push to the margins so that they become angry and leave a one-star review for our church? It's honestly, we're overwhelmed by something. You know, when I go to dinner and I, I put my phone down and I do this now as a practice, by the time I pick it up, there's, somebody, there's some other trauma, tribulation, or tragedy that's happened. By the time I finish dinner, goes back to my first point, trouble never stops. I'm not complaining about it. I'm letting you in to say, we need people to serve others. And your presence alone, your presence alone on Sundays gives people hope gives people encouragement, pulling somebody aside, not darting out, but going into the lobby, shaking hands, meeting people, right? So if you try to leave today before you go into the lobby, there'll be an electric shock as you walk out the door. If you leave before six minutes, at seven minutes so I got 30 seconds have you taken on the title and mission of servant Jesus said I'm not here to be served I'm here to serve and give my life as a ransom for many and please understand I'm not just talking about serving the church I'm talking about serving with your whole heart like seeing through the lens seeing your life as a servant wherever you go that God has positioned you there and placed you there on purpose for a reason. Can you say this about your life? I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve. I'm here for his mission. I'm here for his glory. I'm here for his purpose in me and through me. I'm here to bear witness. I'm here to be salt and light. I'm here to live holy and set apart. I'm here to be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer. I'm here to die so that he may live. And I'm here to give, not take. Can you say that about your life this morning? Come on, let's say that about our lives as we go out this week and believe that God is doing something great. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you that your great heart as a shepherd is to see that people be cared for. And Lord, we thank you that each one of us has gifts, talents, personalities, ways in which we can help and serve 
others. And I pray, God, that that would be stirred more than ever in our church, more than ever in Grace Avenue, God. People would see beyond their own needs. Lord, for those who need healing in this season, Lord, help them heal. Help them grow. Establish their footsteps, Lord. Make them like trees by rivers of living water, God. Let them grow and become strong and healthy in Jesus' name. Let them overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Lord God, let them thrive in the house of God with the people of God. Let them overcome the wounds and the hurts and the difficulties that have come against them. Lord, let them find grace in this season and mercy in this season where they need it. Lord, let your spirit heal them and make them whole mind, body, and soul. Lord God, do your work in their lives in Jesus' name. And help us as a church to rise and to serve, to take our place in this generation, to do what we're called to do, to not look back at a life that we've wasted, but to look back at a life where we've sown and served and built for the glory of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.